Again, while we're settling in, you might find a posture that's comfortable for your body. I'm going to do a little instruction on a, another way we can practice. But we'll basically spend most of this time exploring another way to do a heart practice like loving kindness. So you might want to find a posture that's most comfortable for you. As Bonnie mentioned yesterday, every day on this retreat at this time, at this 11.30 sitting, 11.30 a.m. Pacific time, we're going to offer a variation of meditation that is like loving-kindness practice, but we're going to be introducing other forms of heart practices that complement and uh, extend loving-kindness practice. So we've mentioned it a few times that the loving-kindness practice we're doing is part of a group of four meditative practices called the Brahma Viharas. They're the divine abodes, the divine dwellings. So four ways the heart can radiate, the heart can settle, the heart can be open, and uh, we want to cultivate all four of them. In some ways, all four of these heart spaces, um, when all four of them mature, you get a heart that can be very dynamic in many situations and find the right frequency to engage with whatever is happening inside of you and outside of you. So. Universally, loving-kindness, a universal sense of friendship or gentleness, works in almost every circumstance. Or recognizing the decency and the value in all the beings around you is always helpful. So in some ways, metta, this loving-kindness practice, is universal. And then there are three other categories, and we've mentioned them a few times, but just to remind you, there's compassion, where the heart turns towards specifically what is difficult or challenging or painful to experience. The sympathetic joy practice, where the heart turns towards what is easy to celebrate and delight in and be uplifted by. And then the fourth of the four is equanimity practice. And that's what we're going to uh, be guided in today. You could think of these four Brahma Viharas like four strings on a ukulele. And I'm not sure if any of you have fallen in love with the ukulele, but I have. I, you tune each string, and then you make chords. And sometimes the chord is very beautiful, but if one string is out of balance, the chord isn't that sweet. And so 
the sweetness of the heart is when all four of these Brahma Viharas are well tuned. And then you can make many chords out of these four strings. So you can play songs that are very upbeat, songs that are very slow, songs that are close to grief and sorrow. So when all four of these strings are balanced with each other, you get great uh, possibilities of the music that can come out of the heart. This quality of equanimity that we're about to practice is also considered a universal quality. Like loving kindness, it's good in all circumstances. But we have to learn to tune into exactly what do we mean by equanimity and what are we cultivating versus maybe what that word might mean in common use. So the word equanimity here as a heart factor relates to the old Pali word, the old Indian word, uh, upekka. And upekka is a balanced heart, a heart that is so balanced, it's not easily thrown one way or another. It's not thrown into reactivity. And so it's a, it's a beautiful quality of heart. It usually takes some cultivation and some experience in life to know to keep your heart open but not be thrown by every high and not to be despairing around every challenge or difficulty but with some experience you learn you can be open-hearted and walk with a balanced heart through a greater range of highs and lows and still stay open-hearted and balanced. What equanimity isn't is a type of rigidification or numbness or pulling into the center where life no longer affects you. So we might have those associations with the English word equanimity. We call that becoming indifferent, where the heart pulls away from the world to find balance. The heart shuts down in relationship to the world. With equanimity as a heart practice, with equanimity as one of these Brahma Viharas, is a place where the heart can actually learn to be quite expansive and inclusive. And what stabilizes the heart when it's that open and for it to find balance is for a moment you soften your preferences of what you'd be rather happening so that you can be very intimate with what is happening. As a moment, as a moment to stable your heart, you have to know that it's a good thing to not get so caught up in your preferences that all you have is reactivity. And by softening your preferences, you don't numb your relationship to life. It's just I want to soften what I'd rather be happening so I can have intimate contact with what is happening. So if I really prefer pleasure to pain, I'll never really understand pain if I'm always having a negative response to it. Or if I'm always seeking out pleasure, I'll always have an excited response to it. I can't really see what pleasure is as a direct experience because it's too full of my preferences and excitation around it. 
So you want to soften your ordinary habitual response, but not so much that you just don't care. Remember, this is an open-hearted state, so it's a caring state. And what stabilizes equanimity as a heart, as an open heart space, is that you prefer intimacy with the truth to the intimacy of your daydream or the intimacy of your fantasy. I would rather know the truth and be intimate with it than be lost in my own daydream of how I'd rather things be. My daydreams can be very pleasant or very horrifying, but I actually want to have a courage, courageous heart that can at least for moments look at how things actually are and then build my relationship to the world, to myself, to those around me, to greater circles, including the world, my neighbors, my area of the planet I'm on, the whole planet. And I want to be able to breathe in and out open-heartedly and take an honest look. This is how it actually is. It is like this. There are countless joys there are countless sorrows, and there are countless points in between for me, for others, breathing it out. That's actually how it is. There is plenty to celebrate. There is plenty to grieve. And there is plenty that just is. And it doesn't engender one way or the other. It's just how it is. It turns out that this is a place where the heart can be very intimate and expansive. Habitually, though, right next to this attitude of opening the heart, seeing how the world is, being intimate with the way it is, we have an unconscious habit of uh, numbing out there. We have an unconscious habit of not actually staying open-hearted but of heart retreating, where the heart retreats into neutrality and it stops caring. So we want to have a caring heart that's intimate with how things truly are. In caring heart, intimate with how things really are. But what you'll notice is that sometimes with the way we start the momentum around equanimity, it feels like it's feeding indifference where I don't seem to care anymore about pleasure or pain or whether people are happy or not. I've accepted it all. And in that, you can feel your heart maybe getting smaller. So that's one of the, the near counterfeits of the, what we're trying to cultivate with equanimity as a heart state. It's not to reduce the potential of the heart down to neutrality actually to open the heart to a greater range of experience. One last uh, image I'll share is that if you're walking on a tightrope, you might think the best thing to do is to get all your weight compressed over the tightrope to find the most balance. You know, with experience, you learn that if you expand equally to either side of the tightrope, you find greater balance. 
And so you don't actually have to get everything in the middle. It's by opening up equally to both sides that you find this very stable middle point. And so by opening up to what is beautiful, what is difficult, and breathing right there, you find that, oh, actually, you know, I discovered my heart could be open for moments and say there is great beauty in the world and great sorrow. This human species is an amazing species, and it does some crazy things. When you find a heart that actually can open to many things at once and find balance between them, that's usually when you have this open-hearted equanimity. Ah, this is how it is. It actually is like this. And I don't need to cringe, at least for a moment. So that's a, a, a thing we're going to cultivate. And I'll guide this practice, the practice of equanimity. After we guide this, you're allowed to continue practicing it if it's interesting, and you're allowed to put it aside for now. Mostly we're expecting that you're going to continue on with the loving kindness practice as we described this morning, as John described. Steady with the phrases, very near in. But if we introduce another practice to like this, you might find that there's a certain medicine or nutrition in it that's helpful. So come along for this journey, the guided meditation, as much as you want to. And at the end, you can keep exploring it or, again, put it aside and continue on with your loving kindness practice. With that said, find a posture that allows your body to be at ease. And you might ask yourself if it's best to start sitting or lying down or standing. What posture allows you to find ease and presence? It invites you into some general sense of stillness. The two phrases I'm going to suggest we explore for equanimity today are, this is how it is right now. It is like this. So let's start <clears throat> by opening our hearts up to reflect upon a natural environment somewhere near us. So if you're in a city, you might have to open your mind a little further to where the animals live. Maybe it's going into the ocean if you're nearby an ocean or out into the fields and meadows. Maybe a little further into the forest, wherever you are. Consider the natural world. And you'll find that all the living forms there are living within an ecosystem. And most ecosystems have struck 
some type of balance. And out of an appreciation of the natural world, we might find that we don't have strong preferences that it be different. We might know that the ecosystem for it to be healthy and diverse, it needs the way it works to be honored. Often when I'm teaching equanimity and practicing equanimity at Spirit Rock, I just think of the hillside behind me. And I know on that hillside there are trees and grass. Some trees have grown old and died. But there, the bodies of the trees have decayed and turned into soil. That's made room for new trees to grow. Yeah, this is how it is. It is like this. And in this ecosystem, there are rabbits. And in this ecosystem, there are coyotes. I wish both the rabbits and the coyotes well with loving kindness practice. Here with equanimity practice, I have to breathe for a moment and let the coyotes and the rabbits have their ancient relationship. They don't need me to figure it out. They wouldn't be helped by humans. This is how nature is right now. It is like this. I consider all the life forms. And so you might pick an ecosystem near you that has this sort of natural balance worked out over millions of years, supporting many kinds of life. And you might notice that your preferences are to appreciate it and its complexities, the laws of nature don't need humans to help or fix it. It's a natural system. This is how it is. It is like this. See if you can breathe in and out, open your heart up and consider the natural world nearby where you live. And see if your heart can enjoy appreciating all these life forms. This is how it is for them. 
It is like this. These are the reflections that support the open-heartedness of equanimity, allowing a complex system to be as it is and appreciating it, trying to understand it, and opening your heart to all the beings in a system This is how it is right now. It is like this. You also might begin to question the value of your preferences. With your heart open to a natural ecosystem, would your preferences actually help In the natural world, we have more room for birth, living, aging, and death. You might start with plants. Then come to the animals. Oh, this is how it is. It is like this. And allowing my heart to be intimate 
with the natural world and the truths I discover, the truths we discover. This is how it is right now. It is like this. So this is a good starter place for equanimity, lining our hearts and opening them in a caring place, aligning with the natural world. Many beings we are not responsible for, we're not meant to fix their lives. We open our hearts And we try to deepen our understanding. And then a recognition arises in our hearts. This is how it is right now. It is like this. might see if you could take a relaxing deep breath as you relax into a heart that's open to being intimate with the truth. why equanimity is so helpful to mindfulness. It's open-hearted, steady intimacy with the flow of what we know to be true, with our contact with reality. This is how it is right now. It is like this. And so you're welcome to stay with this foundational practice of equanimity, opening your heart to the natural world. That's often where we rediscover equanimity, is reconnecting to the natural world, feeling the very intricate harmony 
in an ancient ecosystem. I welcome you to bring equanimity a step closer to home. What you'll find is that you can either cherish your preferences or you can have the nourishment of equanimity, but it's very hard to do both. And so to bring it a little closer to home, you might consider your neighbors. You might recognize their house or the driveway that leads to their house. You're not neighbors, you're upset with, not neighbors you've already grown to know and grow fond of, just the people living around you. And if you're living in a rural area, you can also consider your neighbors, your human neighbors, but also your nearby neighbors, your animal neighbors, your plant neighbors, So we also have these beings near to us. We don't have hard preferences. We're just coexisting with them. And we can open our heart to them and say, as much as I can see, this is how your life is. It is like this. You may not know a lot about them, but rather than not consider them at all, just open your heart in a balanced way. I'm aware of you. I'm aware of some of your life. This is how it is, it is like this. What's it like to offer your heart in equanimity, an open-hearted, balanced, caring state? Probably over 7 billion humans are in this category of neighbor near or far, many animals are neighbors in nearby eco ecosystems or distant ecosystems.
be overwhelming to think of them all. Just looking for a heart that can relax and open and for a moment not need anything to be different. There are all these many life forms. This is how it is right now. It is like this. might find that you get a little sleepy in this practice. You might find that the heart isn't so caring because you don't know these beings very well. You might find that you're able to take a deeper breath by just relaxing into the stream of what you know to be true. Relaxing open-heartedly into the way things actually are. You can stay with this level of equanimity reflection, or you can take on another level that's a little more challenging and bring equanimity closer to what feels personable, what feels personal to you, yourself, your family, your friends. your political filters and how you want the world to be, where your preferences are causing anxiety, or you have great hopes that things work one way versus another. And so we're experimenting, just giving a moment to let equanimity be a lead heart factor doesn't have to be the whole way you see the world, but just for a moment. Can you rest and be intimate with the way things actually are for you, those you care about? It's not that we don't care. We're just letting our caring touch reality. Oh, this is how it is for you right now. It is like this. This is how it is for me right now. It is like this.
softening tight preferences so we can actually touch what is happening before we have instant reactivity. An open heart, several breaths. This is how it is right now. It is like this. If you've been practicing equanimity and you've started to get reactive or fatigued by it, or it begins to cause some agitation, it's good to go back a step out a little further to see if you can recover equanimity with your neighbors or with the harmony in an ecosystem, a natural ecosystem. And it's also fine just to come to breathing or body awareness so that you can have a refuge, something to stabilize your attention while you breathe in the middle of whatever energy is opened up or emotions. You don't have to repress them or get caught up in them. So your body can be a refuge, your breath can be a refuge. Taking a pause, you're touching an area of your life where there's very strong overwhelming emotions. Okay, to take a step or two back to 
take a pause to regroup. And then the last experiment to help integrate equanimity and loving kindness. See if you can follow along. Rest your hands so that both your palms are up in your lap, on the couch or the chair, on your bed if you're lying down on the floor. And in one hand, you can hold the heart of equanimity, relax and say, this is how it is right now. It is like this. And then on the other hand, say the metta, and I wish you well, I wish you safety, peacefulness, health and ease. So we're opening to the truth of things with equanimity and we're still caretaking and wishing well with loving kindness. This will take some practice to rock back and forth between these two so that they know how to harmonize, support each other. With equanimity, we know the world is like this. With loving kindness, we still wish people and other beings well. We don't get lost in the fantasy of that because we return to equanimity and say, the world is like this. And I still wish you well and hope for that. And I'm open to how things are. So you might raise one hand, lower it, raise another hand, lower it. This again will take time. So that equanimity and loving kindness can learn to support each other like two strings on a guitar that eventually get played into chords. The openness of equanimity and the wishing well of loving kindness are not at odds with each other. They can harmonize in the same heart. And then I invite you, if you're open to it, to bring your two hands together 
up in front, maybe in front of your heart, in front of your face. And now we're letting the one hand of equanimity touch the other hand of loving kindness. And you don't have to understand it. You can just feel them touching and feel yourself breathing. I see how things are right now. And my heart wishes you well. <laughs> 